ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. We are going to be on episode number uh, 16, believe it or not. And I have with me today um, a gentleman goes by Wes, and he is a world-class best-selling author, I will say. And I think we've been going back and forth for a little, for actually quite a while. And I'm glad the stars kind of aligned um, for this to actually happen because, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of uh, shard owners, you know, Lord British himself, of course, but it's rare that I can get a little bit more of a reporter and a writer type angle to this. So I think this is something special that won't come up very often in terms of the people I talk to. So um, Wes is an awesome guy. Um, he is extremely technical. Um, and I think the real magic here that you'll hear, and I am, you know, definitely, you know, please check out his books. He just released a book um, that he can extract emotions from certain things that perhaps I miss or that, you know, we just wouldn't really understand. Um, and I think that's the writer side. You know, I'm clearly not a, uh, I'm not a writer. I'm more of a talker. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope you guys really enjoy this one. Um, Wes is a great guy. I'm sure he'll be talking down the road. And um, just a reminder, I do stream on Twitch. I am going to be streaming um, a new shard. Uh, well, I would say new to me streaming it. It's, it's one of the oldest uh, free shards around. I'm going to be working on that. I, I have a feeling, and I'm just going to throw this in here, based on who I'm talking to and, and, and the consensus of the community. I feel like there's something brewing. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to be along for the ride and kind of see where this goes. There's been someone that has returned, and I have been talking to this person, and I'm going to try to get them on the podcast. And, and if this this happens, um, it'll be definitely one of you know one of the more epic um, episodes that that you know I'm able to do. Um, but that's the only spoiler I will give you for now. But um, please, again, thank you guys for emailing me for your continued support on Twitter. It's been a blast. Um, I am on Twitter. I'm on Twitch. I'm on all those platforms. I'll link it in there. I will also link um, Wes's book and his website on there. Um, the cool thing is he will be um, apparently re uh, releasing autographed copies of the book. So I know personally I'm going to be waiting uh, for that. To order that, you know, um, but I, I believe it's on Amazon and I've read most of the first book. I honestly just, I haven't had enough time lately. Um, and it was, it was really cool because the stories he tells, if you play UO, I mean, you might as well be right looking over the shoulder of whoever's playing because <laughs> it's just that, you know, like detailed. It, it's really cool. So guys, enjoy this and uh, we'll catch you next week. Thank you. All right, guys, welcome back. I'm here with Wes. And, uh, you know, dare I say, and Wes, you can correct me if I'm wrong, world-class best-selling author. Is that a good intro for you? Hey, I'll take it, man. I mean, <laughs> if you could just introduce me to everybody like that, that would be very good for me. Um, but no, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself. Tell us kind of a little bit what you're about, and we'll uh, get the party started. 
Sure. Uh, my name is Wes Loker. I'm a, a, a journalist. I'm a writer of comic books and video games, and uh, I wrote some books that gained a little bit of notoriety within the UO community called uh, it's the Braving Britannia series. The first book came out in 2018. Uh, the most recent book came out about two weeks ago in October. So um, just living the dream. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong. And are you how many other people have written besides Garriott a UO book? I don't know that anybody else has. I mean, there's some interesting things on the internet just as far as like articles and long form stuff. A lot right. of the developers have done some cool stuff uh, that they've kind of, you know, Raft Coster is, has done a lot of retrospectives about the game that are, are super cool to read if you're into that type of thing. Yeah. But as far as like long form journalism, you know, talk to people, kind of get the story behind the game. I, I don't really know that exist, existed before I stuffed my nose in it. Okay, good. Because, you, I mean, you know how the internet never forgets or that I'll be fact-checked, <laughs> oh, you know. Oh, yeah, sure. Somebody will correct me. <laughs> yeah, that's why I asked because I don't recall ever. Um, I think there was a book. It was like a hardcover book, but it wasn't your style. I think it was literally like a just a history of the Ultima series or something, but it was never tailored to UO and, and the stories that were within it, right? I'm sure, um, I'm sure that somebody will come along and tell us that the Simpsons did it 20 years ago. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Um, but okay, so that's super exciting. So um, I want you to kind of take us through your history of UO. And what I really want to, you know, get some information on is how were you introduced to UO, you know, the year, if you remember, and all that kind of jazz. I do. I remember all that stuff because I spent so many years kind of thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Right, um, but my, my first introduction to Ultima Online was in 1998. It was shortly after the Second Age expansion came out. Okay. And I that would make me about 14, somewhere between eighth grade and freshman year in high school around yeah. there. Um, I, there was a friend that shared my love of uh, you know fantasy books and, and fantasy movies and that type of thing. And he told me about this game that he had got. I don't know how he got into it. Mm. Um, but he's like, you got, you got to play it. This is right up your alley. It's, we can play together. It'll be so cool. And, you know, this is just kind of when, you know, the internet's rolling out. I live in rural Ohio at the time. So the internet oh, okay. is even something that's like super easy to get at that point. Right. So we were running like a, a 56K modem on a, <laughs> you know, on a computer that was not even made to handle Ultima Online. It was like, you know, like the most basic gateway <laughs> computer that you could get at the yeah. time. Yeah. So, you know, but I don't, I don't know that, you know, I don't know that computer specs and anything. So and right. I'm not a big gamer for computer. I'd played console games growing up. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go get this game. And, uh, you know, talk to talk to my parents into taking me to, to Walmart or whatever it was, wherever I picked it up. And, you know, didn't even realize at the time that there was like a subscription associated with it. I don't have a credit card. You know? Yeah. So There's right. there a lot of hurdles that I had to overcome. So, um, you know, I played the free month that came with the game. My friend and I, we played together. And, uh, but then after the free month, he was like, I can't get a subscription. So I'm out. So I uh, just kept on playing. Like I managed to talk my parents into, like, I ended up bartering chores around the house to get uh, game time codes so I could keep playing. So that was, what were your yeah. parents, what, what was their reaction when you even asked? I, I, you know, they, they were kind of open to it. I don't, you know, I don't remember anybody necessarily fighting back against it. Right. I think that it was keeping me out of trouble and. And it was, you know, I come from a very creative family, so it was something that, you know, clearly I was into and it was sparking my imagination and I wasn't, you know, out joining a gang or doing drugs or anything. Right. I, mean, I just can't, there weren't, you know, a lot of negatives associated with it. 
Um, well, because I asked because asking to have someone input their credit card on the internet at that time period was like, you know, way ahead of its time is why I it asked. Was. And, and I, I think there was maybe some hesitation, but then, you know, my, especially my, my mother, she's, you know, a very forward thinking person. So I think that she understood, Hey, this is kind of the future of where wow, things okay. are going. So I, you know, I just, I don't have any recollections of it being difficult. I yeah. Think, I think like are worthy of paying $30 for this thing on the internet. I think that was sure. like the main bargaining thing at that point. So yeah, so my friend dipped out and he never played again, and I just got totally immersed in this this fantasy world and fell in love with it, and and it basically took over my life for the next five years or so, and I and I played pretty hardcore up until, uh, around two thousand four. I, I was dipping in and out by then, but I remember Age of Shadows being the last expansion that I bought and yeah. for a little while, and then that was kind of that was kind of it, and then I by then I had started college, and you know priorities change. So sure. What now? What time to get away from the computer and start living life a little bit right and, and now what did you land on a a certain shard as you played throughout yeah so i actually um i started on lake superior i remember and i chose that just simply because of geographic location and yeah i figured like that there has to be something to that so right i played there for a little while um it may be like six months to a year and then um, I ended up moving over to the Sonoma server. And then wow, I played okay. there pretty much for the rest of the time. And then I also dabbled in Siege Perilous a little bit after that came out. Okay. So now you're talking my language a little bit. So um, <laughs> we'll probably get into that more because that's a piece of information I did not know. Um, now walk me through what what kind of character, you know, first of all, did you have any concept of who you wanted to be? And then what did you end up becoming, perhaps? <laughs> well, you know, as you, you dip into a fantasy world and you think like, oh, I want to be like, you know, a cool wizard. At least right. that was me. You know, that I was I wanted to be the Gandalf of the <laughs> of yeah. world. That was kind of my my driving inspiration. So, uh, you know, the thing that really took a long time for me to understand was just I didn't. I didn't have any concept for a long time of how like the game mechanics worked. Like it, it really, you know, especially because I was so young, I just, I had a real hard time wrapping my head around a lot of the things. Yeah. And the, the only reason that like I, it all stuck is because shortly after I was playing for maybe a couple months, I remember my, my parents took a vacation and they, they dropped me off with my grandma for, for two weeks. And my okay. grandma, you know, didn't didn't have the internet or anything, so it was just me stuck at her house, and I had the <laughs> uh, the, the second age play guide. And I don't know if, if anybody listening remembers it, but it was like this huge, like two hundred page book. Okay. And it was a real real whopper of like a play guide, and it taught you, you know, it it broke everything down. So I literally spent two weeks just reading this thing every single moment of every day. <laughs> I couldn't be playing the game. Yeah. Like, I have to be living in this world somehow. And because I read that thing front to back like 80 times over those two weeks, like I came back and I just understood everything, like everything just completely clicked into place. And it was because of that that I then kind of started over and was like, okay, now I have a mission. I'm going to be a mage. I know I need to train these skills. I know how these skills kind of work together to get bonuses. Okay. I I to get these reagents to cast the spell. So I just, I came back with like a battle plan. Wow. Now who, gosh, what was the name of the, the company they used to put? Was it? That used to publish those guides. Do you remember? I don't like the the one that I remember reading. It it came with the game. It, like it wasn't like a third party strategy guide. It was something that was just in the box. 
Wow, because I remember having a maybe it was the same book. I feel like it was it was smaller. I don't think it was that big, but it went through like yeah. the basics, right, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was super super in depth. It was a it was a real great piece of literature. Yeah. Okay. So so now you're you're in. You want to be a mage. Um, when did you did you start on Sonoma as you're wanting to be a mage, or what what point in time are we at? Uh, no, I, I kicked around Lake Superior for like I said, probably six months, maybe almost a year. And so I really did all of my kind of foundational learning there. Yeah. Um, you know, met, met some people. I didn't really get like super involved in the community there. Um, I had a lot of like stupid, lucky things happen to me. Like I remember over in one of my first couple weeks of playing, like somebody just gave me a house wow. that I kind of befriended. Like I just happened to encounter him. <laughs> and, like I, I, I was fighting like I remember I was fighting like a mong bat or something in the road and I was losing terribly and he just kind of ran up and saved me and healed me and and he was like come on we'll go kill some stuff so we adventured around for together for like an hour and then he was like yeah. hey, come to come to the bank with me and then he proceeded to give me all this stuff like all all his gold all his his wow armor, just just heap stuff on me and I don't know what's going on at this point I'm still very new I just assume that everybody is this friendly right (laughs) and then he's like oh hey come with me you know follow me to my house which was in this like amazing place like right right outside of britain wow Um, like on this this tiny little strip of beach like a a minute walk out of the city and he's like hey you want my house and i'm just like what is this guy doing he's just yeah all this stuff and what had happened was that i essentially just happened to meet up with him on his last day of playing so he was just unloading all his stuff on wow that's crazy yeah right place at the right time and and you know i but I, at the same time like i didn't realize like how lucky i was but the, the the downside was is that i also didn't realize that i had to refresh the house so the house fell rather quickly because i wasn't maintaining oh it. man yeah but you know you, you live and you learn that was that was part of the appeal of the game right oh yeah no for sure um so walk me through your sonoma experience i'm very interested to hear this Sure. So I, I jumped over there. I, I was I was lured over there because there was um, there was a character, a website that I read that was called the, the Gallads of Sonoma. They were a group of looters. Do you do you remember this? I do. Website? Yes. OK, so I was a big fan of that website and I decided like, oh, if I go over to Sonoma, then maybe I have a chance of like running into these guys. And so right. OK. I think it was more of like a celebrity. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, it's funny because I actually, I did run into them later on uh, and, and no, no interesting interactions to, to speak of necessarily, but it was right. just cool yeah. to kind of be there in that, you know, experience to, to know that maybe you could potentially show up, you know, on, on these screenshots or these episodes. And, uh, but I got pretty involved in the community there. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think that I, you know, became anybody of note. Like I don't, you know, I don't have the same quality of stories as some of the the things that I presented in the books that I've written. But right. uh, I spent a lot of time at, you know, the, the player run cities like Oasis, spent a lot of time at the, the YMCA uh, yeah. outside of you. Um, and, and, you know, if there were like fight nights and stuff, I would, I would attend those, spent a lot of time in, in dungeons. I was really into the whole Feluca experience. Like once Trammel came through and, and everything split, like I didn't spend hardly any time in Trammel at all. Right. So yeah. It's like I, I was really just down to to hang out with the people that that love to have these emergent experiences. Like what kept me in the game for so long was that I just loved that I could log in on any given day and just you know not have any idea what was going to happen. Like every right, yes. different experience. 
you know, if you hopped in a random moon gate and ended up in a dungeon, like that was an experience, whether it was good or bad. Um, you know, I just loved just kind of, you know, flying by the seat of my pants night after night. That's what really kept me engaged. So you, you kind of touched on a few things. So did you ever hang out um, at the Buccaneers Den Gate? Um, definitely like probably not alive, but I was <laughs> running around there. Like I know there was a big, you know, player killer, anti-PK type of scene there. And, and I yeah. spent some time in Buccaneers Den. I, I had a thief character for a little while that um, that was kind of where I, I tried to, you know, work my magic with stealing which i was never that proficient at but it was a fun it was a very chaotic place so that was yeah like, so that was what I, it appealed to me i so i you know fun fact is i played sonoma my whole uh i mean maybe i played another right, shard yeah. for whatever but yeah my my thief his name was bala and okay. i was at buccaneers den i would say i mean i remember every friday saturday night and it was like the same crew usually was there and the fights were just so epic you know because you'd be at the gate and then a red may come on screen right and then people will go chase the red but as a thief yeah i just sat there man and and, you know last targeted someone's weapon and as soon as i saw the weapon go back into his bag i would run by full speed and you know steal last target um see i I wish that i was even that proficient i was more of a chaotic like you know i I don't even think i understood the concept of last target for the longest time so it was really just like, okay, let me let me be that guy that's spamming your screen with the the snooping failures, and, <laughs> yeah. and then I'll try to stick my hand in your bag, and something bad will happen. I mean, like I was I was never good at, at like PvP. Like I, yeah. I just didn't. I had the I had a bad connection, and like I'm that I'm that guy that once the the fighting started, I would get kind of nervous, and my hands got sweaty, and right, so yeah, work. So I was more of a hide stealth pop out steal get the heck out of there yeah and 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 it's funny for everyone listening that did not have a chance to play sonoma it was i'm pretty sure the smallest one of the smallest shards in all of uo but i would dare say the most tight-knit community of people because of that it was you know just like you said i mean you could go you know, you knew where the people would be every night or every Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's right. Like you could really count on the members of the community to to have that presence, and and you know, you would you just would recognize so many names. It's crazy. It's like knowing an entire village full of people. Well, I remember. You know, this is I'm sure a, a Sonoma you know historian can fill in the blanks. I wish I knew the rest of the guy's name, but I remember. There's always this guy running around in in the forest, like PvP, and his name started with KMS, and it was something. I, there was like a whole bunch of characters. It was weird, but I remember to this day it started with KMS, and I, I rarely saw this guy ever die. And finally, I guess you know he died at some point. So I went to look at his corpse, and I remember he was carrying a keg of like greater heal potions, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking in my head wow i'm like why is he doing that and then i you know i don't know how it worked back then i don't even remember you know how heal pots worked back then but i'm pretty sure knowing my knowledge now he was probably spamming (laughs) heal pots and had a whole keg on him you know it was just yeah (laughs) it's the thing that you know and that was the other thing that that i love so much about it is there was this kind of cumulative knowledge you really you know you learned from experience you got smarter you made better decisions i i remember you know, being exposed to potions for the first time saying, this is, this is a game changer. Yeah. 
No, and and you know you brought up uh, something that has hooked I think you know everyone because we talk about at least I do with everyone chasing the UO dragon that you know the fact that in UO you log in it is never the same experience is something that I think and I'm just going to say this generically that I think free shards have an issue with trying to innovate because it's a very tricky subject to either corral everyone to an event, right? Or do you let the sandbox element, you know, just keep free flowing. And I remember, yeah, I, and I totally agree with you. The the reason I even play today is, yeah, I log in. I don't know. Am I going to see 20 stealth orked, you know, archers killing me or am I going to, you know, just see some dude fishing at the dock. Right. I mean, It's totally wild. So, okay. So on Sonoma, you said you were a thief. Is there any other, did you ever play like a PK or anything like that? How did that? No, no, no. I was very much like a, a very passive player. Um, okay. I, I considered my expertise to be like exploring. You know, one of the things that I love to do was just kind of go get lost in the world, like just pick a direction and go that way and kind of see what I run into, see what I discovered, see who I came across. Like I, I would just meet a lot of people in my travels, you know, whether that became you know, single serving friends or somebody, you know, who I ended up becoming friends with for, for a while. Yeah. Um, didn't, didn't really do a, a ton of guild stuff, I, you know, definitely more of a lone wolf, but like I would have times where I'd, I'd spend time with groups of people for maybe a couple of weeks and then that would kind of come and go. And so yeah, I just was open to whatever opportunities were there and whoever kind of fell across my path was good. One of the, one of the other things I did in addition to uh, being a thief and that was more of like a part-time thing but yeah um, I, I also spent time as like a I, I tried to be a character who would collect stories from people like I, I would oh, okay like, um, you know like a traveling bard if you will it wasn't like a role play thing it was just like trying to entertain people and that didn't necessarily take very well yeah. but it, it was fun for me so I, you know I would listen to people's stories and then kind of embellish them and share them with other people well, it's it's so funny you bring up like role playing and this is how you know, I was definitely and I'm still very hot and heavy with PvP, but you know, I always joke that, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm not a role player. And then, you know, people remind me, "Hey, you realize you're playing a role playing game, right?" <laughs> you know, because you get so disconnected that you forget that even if I'm PvPing, playing as a murderer, that's still I am role playing, you know, that that character um and i and i think with me you know starting to stream ultima which is like a whole nother like episode in itself but i i've started to you know you have this like alter ego that you can like freely express right and it translates right to your character and you know i loved encountering those people that would you know be just embody their character and not necessarily like talk a certain way or act a certain way but just were fully committed right yeah their their motivations for their character uh you know people that had a reason for what they were doing was always interesting to me um yeah I, I actually it was it was always a turn off to me when people would like trash talk or, or try to get personal with you or you know i if a if a pk killed me and he was like you know had, had a maybe he said something or maybe he had like kind of a motto that he would say when he killed you or or right. he was even just like completely silent and didn't even talk at all like i thought that was cool it, it was when i got killed by the people that would you know call me terrible names for no reason that, that, that was, <laughs> that's what rubbed me the wrong way 
Well, and I, and I think, you know, it's funny. I laugh because I hear people, you know, that play, you know, Call of Duty or whatever game. They're like, yeah, it's, you know, it's pretty toxic with people. And I'm like, man, I said, you know, I, <laughs> UO, I think, exposed me to definitely the bottom of the barrel <laughs> of the online community. And on the other side, some of the best people I've ever met in my life. So I would absolutely agree with that statement. <laughs> yeah. And I think, too, I think the problem was back in the day, you know, the term keyboard warrior didn't really, people don't really understand it yet because they didn't experience it. Right. But, you know, as being a UO player, you experienced it whether you wanted to or not. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was brought upon you. Yeah. The amount of butt hurt that occurs in you, even to this day right is unparalleled i've never seen a game you know where people will go out of their way you know (laughs) but and it's funny you brought up the storytelling because i distinctly remember on sonoma and any other show or whatever i play back in the day i don't know if you remember like getting books from people they would write stuff did you ever encounter someone writing a book or did you write a book in game or anything oh you know i think i i probably tried to write them because um, I, I remember reading somewhere that like if you created a book then there was a the chance that it could like spawn in the world and could be found like in a drawer or in a library I don't know if really that was true but I got like really into the idea that that was true <laughs> yeah so I, I think I did try to write some stuff in hopes that it would appear around the world but but yeah I mean I remember encountering stuff on you know like a random corpse in a in the woods and and they had like a list of you know, it was like a to-do list of things that they <laughs> right. needed to do or they needed to collect or they were looking for. And, you know, it was it was definitely an interesting look into uh, the psyche of other people that were playing. One of the other things I really liked to do was I would open up uh, the uh, little portfolios or the, the profiles, rather, that you could like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Characters. I loved reading those because people had the most random stuff in there. Like you'd see one guy that had like a, a list of, of um you know people that he needed to get revenge on that had killed right him. and you'd see another pe- person that just had like haiku poetry about like, <laughs> that's right line. it was just the most random stuff i just i absolutely adored just looking at those and and i remember too um and i'm gonna touch on the profile but the books was on i think it was on vendors you could buy the book for free and they would have their contact information if something was out of stock if i recall oh, okay. like cool. they would I don't know that I- encountered that yeah like they would have their icq right information it would be like you know if out of stock of you know swords you know send me a message and let me know or whatever um but yeah the pro it's funny the profile i think was it called a profile gosh i i i I still play this day and i click it i don't even remember what it's called but yeah (laughs) i I don't know if that's the name for it but i I, I, yeah i don't know but yeah it is yeah and i do remember people either were like you know It'd be anything from just the most outrageous stuff to, yeah, like, you know, killed so-and-so this date or whatever, right? Like, I I do remember that. Weirdest accomplishments. And I think, too, at least on OSI, when you double-click that, it showed you their account age, or did it only show you? That's a good question. I I don't remember. Maybe it only showed showed yourself? Yeah, maybe maybe that's the case. But I remember doing that, so I knew how old my account was, and it was kind of more of like a you know, flex thing. Oh, Hey, my account's, you know, so old or whatever. So, okay. So, and I think you answered this, but you never really participated in the guild then from what you were saying. Not really, not for more than just like a weekend or two. Like I didn't get into anything too deep and, and, you know, there was, 
and I think the reason for that was is like at that point in the internet, like people were still very like, you know, keeping each other at arm's length with like, you know, your your name and your identity and that type yeah. of thing. And you know, I'm I'm younger, so I think there's that element of, you know, there's the potential for things to go horribly awry here if I get yes. into the wrong situation. Sure. And the other thing was that, you know, I also just you know, my, my parents were, were allowing me to play this game. So I just didn't want anything to happen that would jeopardize that at the same time. Yeah. So I, I think that, uh, I, yeah, I just, I think I kept people at kind of an arm's length for a really long time, but like, I don't remember knowing anybody's real name that I played with. You know, that was one of the things that when I started writing these books, like, cause I still remember my ICQ number. But yeah. I can't, <laughs> I can't log into it. Like, I guess, I don't know if the system, you know, kind of got reset or whatever. I, I have, I really tried to access it because I really wanted to try to find some of these people from my previous life, just in the the in case they were still using ICQ. Yeah, um, but unfortunately, I wasn't able to get in touch with anybody that way. Yeah, I, I it's funny. I probably must have been maybe five or probably more than that, but I did recover my ICQ account, and man, I have so many UO contacts in there, and. Yeah. I, I think some people still use it that play OSI, I think. Okay. But I don't know that it's, you know, I mean, Discord is the flavor, you know, this this decade perhaps, right? I don't know. The, some yeah. of these things come around and go so often. But I do remember ICQ being, yeah, that, that was next level when that, you were able to do that. Um, okay, so uh, I'm going to move now into a little bit about um, the book um, because – you know, you're probably the only, one of the only people I've you know talked to that's written a book. What you know prompted you to you know decide that you want to write a book, or how did that all come to fruition? Oh well, it was a combination of things. Like the the one thing that I would do was even when I after I stopped playing Ultima Online, it was just one of those games that like I just always thought about. Like there were so many cool experiences that just kind of stuck with me. And, yeah. You know, as as I'm sure many folks will be able to relate to, like no other nothing came along to really fill that void. You know, you keep hoping every time one of these new MMOs. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I've, I've definitely sampled many of them over the years and just nothing has really kept my attention for like more than a year at a time. Uh, it's because in your, you know, in your brain, you always compare it to, well, you know, if it was more like this, if it was, you know, if they only yeah. did this differently, if it was more like UO, then I would like it more. Um, and so then I, I, my friend run, he ran a podcast for a few years that was, uh, he had guests on that would talk about their favorite video game. Yeah. So I went on, you know, he, he needed, I think he needed a guest one week. So I went on there and talked about Ultima online. And because of, of the podcast, some people got in touch with me and they're like, Hey, you know, you're a writer. So, you know, and you clearly love this game. You know, you should think about like putting those two things together. Right. Like, oh, that, that does make sense. So, and I had spent some time previously, like trying to, you know, just in my free time, you know, this is even five years ago, 10 years ago, just searching the internet saying like, you know, Ultima Online books, Ultima Online stories. Like yeah. I just really wanted to to read about other people's experiences because I knew how formative it was for me. And and just as like a side note, I, I work in the video game industry. So it's like oh, something okay. that influences a lot of what I do. Um, and so I was like, there's there's got to be other people that kind of feel this way and, and somehow Ultima Online has affected their lives or affected their careers or it has some sort of long-term effect on them. Yeah. And I, I just never found anything. Year after year, I would look and not, not find anything. So 
um, in the, around the beginning of 2018, I was like, yeah, I think, I think I'm just going to write the book that I want to read. I'm just going to keep it simple. Yeah. So I, I kind of put the feelers out to the community. Um, there's a great uh, Ultima Online uh, Facebook community um, where a lot of people share stories and, and meet old friends and share screenshots and, and you name it, it's there. And so I kind of just went in there and started digging around, looking for good stories and reaching out to people. And I, and I posted a, uh, like a Google doc where I just could record information for people who were interested in potentially contributing. And, and yeah. I just sat back and that thing filled up super quick with hundreds of responses in 48 hours. And I just started going through saying, okay, this is cool. This is, this is not that interesting. Oh, I actually recognize this person's name. I'm going to get yeah. them. And, and so I just made a list of all the people that had cool stories and just kind of set out to, to collect those. Yeah. And it, I think it's, uh, it's wild. Cause even, you know, starting this podcast, it's very young. Um, the amount of emails I've gotten from just like you said, names that I've recognized, I'm like, wow. Yeah. You know, I'm like, and there's no other way I could have contacted or <laughs> come across these exactly. people without, you know, some sort of medium like, you know, Facebook or whatever it is. Um, now, okay, you know, you can tell me the honest truth. Writing a book, was it, you know, harder than you thought, easier than you thought, you know, just kind of an off topic, you know, fun one? Um, no, you know, it, it was it was easy because I had such a clear vision for what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, like I, I knew exactly what I wanted to create. I knew exactly the format I wanted to deliver it in. And so it was really the hardest part was just chasing people down. And yeah, because uh, people are really quick to say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll contribute something. And then when it's time to actually do it, it's a lot of like, OK, you know, I've sent you six emails and you've you know not responded. I'm, I, have to, I now have to move on to this next person because right. can't, you, know, you can't hold up the show. Uh, so thankfully, like, you know, the people that were the most enthusiastic were the ones that had the best stories. Um, so thankfully, like everybody that appears in both of the books are the people that were just super gung ho about wanting to share and wanting to contribute and, and realizing that they were kind of, you know, contributing to the, the history of the game more or less. So, um, yeah, and, and I had worked as a journalist for years and years. So, you know, doing I just basically took those same skills and applied them <laughs> to the for the books. So it was Yeah, it was really easy. Um, you know, it was time consuming. The first book took me about eight months from initial idea to finished product. Wow, which is okay. pretty quick in the in the grand scheme of things. I didn't yeah. realize that that was as quick as it was. But um, yeah, and you know, I just like I said, I had a vision, and it was just I need the people. I've got the people. Let's talk. Let's write. And I just kept this cycle going, and and really, basically using my nights and weekends, just really plowed through the thing like super fast. Yeah, I, and I can relate to you on the scheduling part, uh, big time. Where yeah, you know, I've I've reached out to certain people, and I've heard you know crickets and then you know literally and it's, it's just i find it funny like I, re I reach out to gary at expecting you know complete crickets and i get complete the opposite right right, right. and yeah very I, very generous i i've kind of and you know i'm sure wes you may have applied this logic but i'm like okay if gary has time right to right. reply to my email at, at, at the base level if someone cannot i have to move on just like you said <laughs> i can't wait right um, so, but no, I, I, and I want to say thank you for sure for, you know, writing not only the first one, but you know, the second one, because I think it is amazing how much, cause I think at the height of Ultima, there was probably what, 2 million subscribers, I think at least a million. Yeah. I thought, 
I don't know. Like I really tried to find those numbers, but from from what I can tell, they've never been officially released by any of the developers that work with the game. So there's yeah. a lot of estimates that are out there, but it, I, I would assume that it's got to be at least a million or more over the course of the right. three years that the game's been going. Right, and you think of that many people, there's got to be just an infinite amount of stories, yeah. right? Absolutely. Every everybody that's played has a story, whether you know it was good. I played for for six months or uh i played for all 23 years of the game's history yeah well i know i remember talking to one guy on here and he's like it was say simba and he goes yeah i got pk'd as a minor my first day and i quit for a year and then i came back yep. <laughs> you know it's just really funny you know seeing just what you know different people's opinions and, and how they you know got into the game so okay so you write your first book right that you know i think definitely filled the void for UO content, like in a big way. Now, what prompted the second one? What was your goal there? Well, when I released the first book, um, I, I honestly, I didn't have any expectations for it. Yeah. Like I, I had a, a Facebook group that I started where people could kind of follow along with the development. And I was, I was talking about, you know, who I was talking to and posting excerpts of the interviews that I was doing. And, and I was getting a lot of interaction there and, and I was getting a couple hundred people that were following regularly what I was doing. So I'm uh. like, okay, I have, at, I have at least like 150 people that seem to care. Right. So <laughs> let me just put this out there and, you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm not, I have no expectations. I've done it for me. Uh, you know, I, I wrote the thing that I wanted to read. Yeah. And I can walk, I can walk away if this, if nothing happens with it. So uh, thankfully, like it got a lot of traction and it has honestly sold a lot of copies. And, and I've heard from so many more people because of it. I mean, I just, I now have a database that I have to keep that essentially just has hundreds upon hundreds of submissions and emails and names and contact information from wow. all these people that, that just want to share. And, and I think that's probably the hardest part is whittling it down to, you know, who has, <laughs> right. you know, I'm, doing, I'm doing air quotes here, but who has yeah. the best story. Right. Um, you know, it has, it's, everybody thinks their story is great. And, and I respect everybody's experiences because I know, you know, I, I know how important mine were to me, but if I told you in depth about them, you'd be like, oh, that sounds super boring. Yeah, uh, so right. It's like what's going to read well, what's actually going to translate to the page well. So I think the hardest part, especially with the first book, was just like, you know, who who am I actually going to include and who's unfortunately going to get left on the cutting room floor? Now, right. for a few of those interviews, I actually carried them over to the second book because I liked them. They just didn't fit into the first one and how it was presented. Yeah, that makes so sense. The, and I kind of have a different theme for each book as well. So they fit better with the second theme of the book. Um, and then I just had a whole database of people that I could reach out to. So once I decided, okay, this book financially has been good. People are enjoying it. Um, I'm getting emails and Facebook messages of people saying, thank you for writing this. I think that the demand is there. Yes. More. So I, I basically spent the following two years. I wasn't really able to work on it quite as as hardcore as the first book just yeah. because I had a, I had a kid and that was mm -hmm. taking up a lot of time. I, I changed jobs that was taking up a lot of time, uh, then, you know, pandemic and all that. All these Hello. Yeah. Kind of, we're, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're adding up. So it was definitely a slower process, but what made it easy was that I had so many people that I could reach out to. Right. And yeah. And it was really great. I was, I found that the best stories came um, from referrals. So it was like, I had a great conversation with, with this guy and then he'd say, Oh, you need to talk to my friend because he had, you know, this happen. Yeah. And so it, that actually led me down a lot of great things. That's how I got in touch with a lot of the developers for the first book um, was that I was able to, 
you know, I, I found people who like, like Richard, who Richard Gary, who unfortunately couldn't contribute to the first book because he was in like the Arctic circle at the time. <laughs> yeah. So he wrote me a very nice email. He was like, I would love to participate, but <laughs> I'm at the yeah. top of the world at the moment. Right. So, so I, I didn't get to chat with him until the second book, unfortunately, but uh, talking to somebody like Raph Coster, he was able to put me in touch with, with Star Long and, and right. Rick Hall and, and Rich Vogel, like all these people that I would love to talk to. I just didn't have a direct line to. So everybody was super, you know, giving with their time and, and very enthusiastic. So uh, it pretty much worked the same way for the second book. You know, one story led to another person led to another person. And, and I actually had a real hard time kind of cutting down who I was going to include in that. But then again, you know, if I decide I want to do another one, I already have a great foundation for it. Yeah. And, and you know, I think we're going to very much so talk apples and apples here. But um, when I when I started my podcast, I had a very big phobia of running out of content. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, because, you know, in my head, I'm like, well, I can just sit here and I guess make an episode every couple of days and just talk about you. But I'm like, you know, you're kind of cool to interview some people, I guess, maybe. And I went from literally, you know, not a single email to my inbox to, oh, you want to talk? All right, cool. I'm like three, four weeks out before I get yeah, you yeah. scheduled, that, right? That's awesome, man. It's like, that's the best type of problem to have. Yeah. Well, and I think I resonate with you when you said you have to pick, <laughs> I think for me, I'm hoping at least, the people that reach out to me, I'm assuming they already feel comfortable enough to just speak, right? Because I think it's right. easy to write it down, <laughs> right? You don't have to hear me. I can give you a story, right? And off you go. Um, right. With me, you know, I, I usually hope that, okay, whoever's approaching me, you know, can at least speak about it for, because uh, I, I remember with a lot of people I talk to, like, I literally have to look at the clock and I'm like, wow, we've been going a long time. I got to wrap this up because yeah. you can just sit here for four hours talking about you. It's so easy to just keep talking about it. That's why one of the uh, the ongoing jokes throughout the books that I did was is that's the number one activity for people when they're when they're not playing Ultima Online. They're <laughs> yeah, talking about Ultima Online. Well, and even asking Garriott, you know, because I, I, you know, at some point you think, you know, maybe I'm crazy, maybe everyone else is crazy, but it's like asking Garriott, hey, do you think about you every day? He's like, yep. <laughs> and it's like, great. So I'm not crazy because I think about it every day too, even if I'm not playing. It, it subconsciously just comes up in my brain and it, it's some time, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. So you, you have your second book. We just released it. Um, what has been the feedback on the second book so far? Uh, so far, so good. It, it's only been out for like a, maybe two weeks now. So okay. people are actually, they're still reading it. I, I think you have your speed reader. So I had people that were getting back to me like two days later. <laughs> yeah. And right. then there's these people that are kind of going through it when, when time permits. Um, some great reviews are already popping up on Amazon. So it, it seems like, you know, people who liked the first book were really quick to jump on this, which I super appreciate. Um, yeah. You know, I, I anticipate, you know, the, the stuff that I can see behind the scenes leads me to believe that it's on, it's, it's going to run neck and neck with the other book. So I, I'm hoping for a good outcome. So how far, how far did that first book, and now I don't know anything about Amazon analytics, book sale analytics, how far did it go up? It was there, is there a list for, I mean, is it in a certain category? Can you kind of explain that just for me, like the uninformed? Oh yeah. I mean, when, when you publish a book straight to Amazon, you kind of choose the categories that it will, you know, rank in more or less. So a lot okay. of mine are like video games and, and virtual worlds and, and role-playing games. I yeah. honestly, I don't, I don't really know 
like if I like I don't know that I made it to number one or anything. I, I don't necessarily keep track of that. I more sure. just get the sales figures on the back end because uh, at the end of the day, I know you know what what numbers need to pop up to know whether it's worth it to do more. Or yeah, sure. Say, okay, that was a that was a fun experience. <laughs> now, um, so yeah, I mainly look at that type of stuff. And now, has anyone contacted you that has never played UO but that read your book? Yet. Yeah, I actually got a really great review um, on a website called SideQuest, which wasn't a website that I was familiar with at all. Okay. Uh, but I had sh- I had shared some some press copies, some some PDFs of the book, the first book when I was promoting it, and they yeah. just happened to to read it, and they never played the game, and they they dug it and uh, wrote a great review on the website about it. And then there's also uh, over on, I think it's like on Goodreads or something, somebody who had never played it left a really nice review as well. So I, I like the fact that it's resonating. I, I honestly think um, for the, especially with the first book, there's a, a very in-depth section uh, that talks to a lot of the game's original developers. And I think there's really a lot that, that game devs can learn about like, hey, you want your MMO to be super addictive, you know, read read this like read yeah. what they did read read what the people like like what's keeping them playing this game for 20 years i think there's a lot that can be learned from it and that's that's not me trying to be egotistical that's just kind of what i've been told by other people and yeah. especially those developers came back and said this is you know this is something that, that people should actually read just from a, like a design standpoint well and, and it's wild because you know i i got um <laughs> a lot of people you know once you know they saw like i posted the garrett episode they're like oh you didn't ask him about Shroud or about that. And I'm like, well, I said, you know, I wanted this strictly about UO. And I said, you know, I think MMOs have been chasing the World of Warcraft dragon for, you know, gosh, I don't know how long, to the point where no one will fund another WoW clone that I'm aware of willfully, right? Because there's been probably billions lost collectively over the decades chasing it. And... I, I think there, and I talked to this with uh, Moreland, although my last guest I had uh, very in depth about developers, it seems like still have not learned that there is room for a sandbox MMO where there is really not a rule set, you know, in quotes, and we don't need something on rails anymore. We don't need yeah. kill 20 rats and come back, right? Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I think we're starting to see that more. Um, there was a really cool interview I did for book two where uh, there's a fellow who goes kind of in depth about how he he attributes like the current rise we're seeing in in trends of like survival MMOs. Yeah, how he's kind of attributing that to like, you know, what Ultima Online kind of paved the way for back in, in the, the late 90s, early 2000s, which was I had never thought about it like that. But I think he's he's definitely on the right track. And, and I'm glad to see that those are kind of becoming a popular thing now i think it's going to scratch that itch for some of us yeah well i think and it's super interesting you brought that up because i think on the base level absolutely you dying losing everything having to start over in some regard right at least gets people accustomed to this i guess just say style of gameplay perhaps now I, I will say something that was said to me which it really stuck with me i didn't i didn't think about it in the same way you didn't with that was when Trammel came out, it paved the way for, I mean, I'm going to, you know, use the UO terminology, the Care Bear Land that we see, <laughs> right, in MMOs today. Yeah, it did. Which, you know, I never thought about it like that. I just thought I was Trammel, you know, I'm not a huge fan of it, but 
really other MMOs came out, you know, let's just say EverQuest, right? Or these other ones, there was no Faluka <laughs> mindset at all in these games, right? It was, it was, yeah. It's like they tried to, a lot of these MMOs tried to combine, you know, so many of the successful things from Ultima Online, but they also missed so many of the things, even, even stuff like, you know, player housing, which I think is the number one reason that people stick around Ultima Online. Ultima, yeah. The OSI shards, at least, is because they, they feel that ownership. They have something that, it, that attaches them, that keeps them paying that subscription every month to keep their house alive. Oh, yeah. Um, now, it's, it's amazing to me that nobody else has replicated that. Well, I mean, I mean, they have, but they've done the instance junk, right? right. That's, which that's not fun. to me, and it's hard for me to say, but when you have an instance anything in an MMO, it just I feel like it breaks so much immersion that I just I have a hard time getting into it because I'm like with current day technology and stuff. And by the way, you know, just to give you an example, like Black Desert Online. Say what you want about the game. It is, I think it has sandbox elements, but there's no instance anything. It's all one seamless world, right? Which is, yeah, that's very hard to find, you know, because when you start, you know, siloing things, oh, you have a guild house, but it, you have to click this door and then you load in, right? It just, that doesn't feel, you know, special to me, I guess. Not like you owe. <laughs> Well, and I think there's something to be said too for you know being able to put your house where you want it. I mean, it yeah. really made it served to make every single shard like have a very unique landscape. I mean, once you put that house down, you know you've you've become part of the topography that, that yeah. makes your shard unique. And I think that you know I agree. I, I played um, the Lord of the Rings online for about a year, and that had instant housing, and yep. that just really was a turnoff to me. I was like, I bought a house, and then I just never went back to it again. It just didn't feel right for some reason. Yeah, well, it feels meaningless, I think, for sure. Now, exactly. did you hear about the new UO announcement, the the new Legacy? Yeah, I was. I actually watched the uh, the stream the day that they did that. Um, to, you know, with all their uh, technical <laughs> problems aside, I'll I'll let you say it. So I'm unbiased. Go ahead. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I mean, and that's you know that's neither here nor that comes with the territory. But yeah, I think honestly, I think it's super cool. I think the idea um, has a ton of merit. I would be very interested in trying it. Um, I I think that at this point, you know, Ultima Online is if you look historically at the game, there's so much innovation that has you know paved the way into other games and i know that what they're planning you know i know that diablo has already done that you know that's not a new thing but i yeah. think it's very smart to to make it more accessible to people um because when i wrote the second book i actually went back and i played ultima online for the first time in 15 years and i kind of wow. uh, trace my adventures throughout the book and intersperse them with the interviews that i did uh but there was a lot that like you know, I found there that was really hard for me because there was there was 23 years of history that I couldn't necessarily account for, only what I was there for. So there yeah. was 15 years that were a blank slate that there was no way for me to find out what had happened or who certain people were or, or the different events that had occurred. Yeah. Um, so to be able to jump in kind of seasonally and say, okay, you know, I'm going to play for six months or a year and, and just to kind of experience this story-driven new legacy shard that that's very appealing to me because i don't necessarily have a, the time to just do the sandbox thing anymore i need something that's a little bit more focused and, and finite i think so i can yeah. see that actually fitting into my gaming style personally now yeah i i will say this because i haven't even had time to make an episode on that specifically but i i will i will say any new uo content i am in 
I'm a fan of because yeah. th there's just been nothing for so long. Now, right. I will put on my skepticism goggles for a second and say, you know, I'll just say for one, there hasn't been a ton of info about this, right? Sure. And I have some serious reservations as to can they pull it off and how will they pull it off, right? Um, yeah. That's just my kind of, you know, 10,000 foot view that I really don't yeah. know yet. But sure. uh, any you know everything everything starts rocky and yeah. the cool thing is that they seem they seem very passionate about it and I think that anything that adds to the UO experience and even you know if that brings veteran players back or that helps bring even new people to the game it's it's which has been around for so long it's like people are looking for a reason to jump in but you know I don't want to jump into you know EverQuest right now at this point I've never played EverQuest but I don't right. want to get involved now because there's too much it's been going on for too long. So anything yeah. that can make it easily digestible um, would be nice. But, you know, at the same time, it's like you can't please everybody. So I, yes. hope, I just hope that they accomplish what they want to accomplish and people can decide whether that's for them or not. And, and they can keep playing it. They can play the game how they play it now. You know, it, nothing is affected by it. So it's kind of uh, offers an additional experience. But I, I'll tell you, the, the main takeaway from me coming back and playing UO 15 years later was that I spent so much time just trying to find other people that it was, right. and this is on like Atlantic, which was like the most populated chart from what I, my research told me. Yes. Like I just had, I had, I couldn't even find people to like talk to. And even when I would run across people, nobody would talk to me. And I don't know if that's because they were looking at like discord screens or if they were, you know, neck deep in some sort of menu or something, but it was really hard to find people to interact with. And even when I found them, like I really couldn't interact with them. So the idea of having a, a server where people maybe come together a little bit more and are playing with uh, a focus and a reason and a purpose, I think could really be beneficial just to the community overall. Now, have you ever played a free shard before? I have not. Okay, so I will tell you then, you know, what you're describing exists on the free shards and what... I think this is the problem with OSI is the landmass is too big for the amount of people that play it, right? Totally. Like, because with oh, like with with a free shard, like let's say you're playing the stock map with maybe the T2A era, right? You have like Delusia, you have you know the other land, but with let's just say a thousand people, let's keep it real low, it still feels very alive. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, it's um, definitely something I've always I've always wanted to experience. It just and for some reason, they didn't really become popular, I feel like, until I was kind of on my way out. So I yes. that, and I've only started learning about them in the past few years, just interviewing a couple of people that have been active on that and, and hearing, honestly, hearing your podcast and kind of learning about hybrid, learning about Outlands and, and yeah. thinking, oh, okay, there's there's an interesting thing that's happening here. You know, if I had all the time in the world, I would be on there in a heartbeat, but hopefully it's something I can find some some time to check out for sure. Yeah, I would be very interested to get your perspective logging into you know whatever shark because i think outlands does the custom side like no one else has ever done before it's all custom right whereas like a hybrid or whatever does the classic uo that we know from 20 years ago so and i think you would be well, i think what would really attract you is people are very very interactive there like they're cool i mean you may find someone yeah that obviously ignores you but for the most part people are live and <laughs> they're there um, yeah. Is it, is it that like people that play the, the free shards, they're the ones that are kind of searching for that, you know, that heyday UO experience? 
I, I think, yeah, there, there's that for sure, because I think what some of these eras represent were just so good that, you know, you can play these, you know, I mean, hybrid has been around, I think, I know, I'm pretty sure almost 15 years. I, I, I am almost certain it's the, it's the longest, you know, running free shard. Um, but, you know, I think it's had wipes in between and stuff that's changed. But what they have done to the base UO and then, you know, made it still interesting <laughs> is, is wild, right? Like to keep people intrigued. And then you have Outlands, which just said, you know what? We're going to do custom everything. Like rewrite the game almost. And that's been wild to see. And, and yeah, I think, and I, and I think, you know, after this, we'll probably share uh, some information in between. But, I mean, there's a guy that, you know, almost rewrote, you know, the UO code, right? That, that created the classic UO client, which, man, I'm telling you, if you logged in and just played with that client, you're like, wow, I'm in 2020. <laughs> That's cool. Like, yeah, I'm telling you, it's crazy. And someone just did this, you know, for free on their own, whatever, right? For like, just, it's crazy. Um, There's, I and, mean, those are a lot of work from what I understand too. Oh man. Yeah. I, I, you know, it, it's, it, the amount of time someone puts into this that, you know, they have some passion for this. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm, and I'm sorry, I, I went off on a little bit tangent. I'm gonna keep this back on track here. Um, <clears throat> what, you know, and I'm going to ask you just some interesting questions because I feel like you're very much more so an OSI player. Um, what do you think, you know, uo should do to attract like new people to, to play it that's that's the million dollar question right i mean if i if i knew that i would solve all the problems <laughs> yeah. um again it, it goes back to the the thing of you know you you can't ever please everybody uh, yeah i think that they're doing a really good job in in retaining the veteran players there are people that are very passionate about the game uh there are people that that have lives you know that are, are basically built into the game so right. I think it might be more of a retention game than uh, uh, how do we get new people. But the thing that really struck me is is again going back and playing for the first time in so long, just just not seeing anybody. I don't I don't I'm having a hard time understanding. I guess how they have like 30 servers that are, are running. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah. When you do the math, it like you know breaks down to about like there's there's no more than 150 people per <laughs> server in India. Right. So. Yeah, I, I don't. But hey, you know, I'm glad that it's there. Like, I, it's going to be a sad day for me if and when, you know, the game does shut down. Like, I, I love the idea that I can go back, even though I don't go back a lot. Like, I love that it's there. Yeah. It's like um, an old, you know, an old friend, a, a comforting blanket, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, that's that's uh, that's somebody else's problem to solve. I, I don't have the the answer on how to bring in new people but i hope that new legacy uh will at least uh maybe bring some folks back to check it out maybe appeal to folks who who have been yeah. wanting to get into uo but couldn't find the door um I'm, i'll be very curious to see kind of how that works for them i i hope it's a, it's a great addition to the game yeah and i'm gonna throw this out there you know because you know i sometimes do have million dollar ideas you know i promise you <laughs> um but as an idea for, you know, something to write about, I would be, and and by the way, I'd be your number one fan. I'd help you. I wouldn't leave you out in the dust, but <laughs> if you ever wanted to do something on, you know, the free shards, I think there, that is such a curious entity on its own. The, cause I, I know for a fact you could write a book on the history, the, 
drama, the, I mean, you name it, man. Cause it, it's really its own separate Island, the free shards, right? Totally. And, and I, the interviews that I did, um, you know, I did, I learned so much about them and again, learning how much work goes into them and, and yeah. a little bit about the drama. But <laughs> the, yeah. in, the, in the first book, I did a big section about, um, the fellow who run, who ran a UO and Corp. Yeah. Uh, the, and kind of learned that backstory and it, it was fascinating and it was uh, heartbreaking and you're absolutely right. I think that there's enough out there to, to fuel uh, their own trilogy of books for sure. Because uh, you know, when I, what I noticed was, yeah, when I started doing the podcast that, yeah, there is a good amount of people, OSI players that really have no idea about the free shards. Who's play, is it even existing? Who's playing it? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, definitely, you know, I'm going to say it here first, that would be a great idea. And, and, you know, I would, I would gather to say you would have a lot of support for people to help fill in the gaps for that, for sure. Um, cool. That's something I, I ever explore. You'll be the first person I call to, to point me in the right direction. Um, well, no, yeah, only the top notch, you know, for you. <laughs> Don't worry, Wes, we got you covered. <laughs> um, so, you know, okay. And now this is, again, we're running into more of like, you know, the, the, some of the fun questions, but in your time playing, you know, whether it was 20 years ago, you know, recently, have you ever seen an instance where someone, you know, either griefed someone or trolled someone in a, in a classic UO style? Do you remember any, an encounter like that? Or oh, have you heard a story or whatever? Yeah. Totally. I mean, especially on Sonoma where, where I was around <laughs> yeah. a lot of troublemakers. I mean, I remember people like, you know, luring monsters in dungeons. I remember, <laughs> yeah. you know, when I was I was trying to build a uh, a Dexter character, which was popular in yeah. the, uh, the the early aughts. And I remember somebody telling me like, "Oh, go to the the Bone Wall and Deceit and train. Right. That's the place to do it." And so I remember showing up, and you know, I was like, "Okay, I'm going to work on my fencing here for a while." And it was me and like 20 other people. You know, like as soon as yeah. as soon as a Bone Knight would pop up, it was dead because everybody was jumping on. <laughs> at the same time. And I remember like somebody like bringing a bunch of monsters over or something. I, I don't remember what it was, but I just remember we all died. Like they killed every single person <laughs> that was in there. Yeah. And it's funny because um, in the second book, there's actually a story uh, of a fellow who who would lure the the poison elemental around to see oh. people. And, and this was on a different shard, so I know it wasn't him, but it was funny that he was actually on the other end of that. So yeah. apparently that was a thing that you did if that was your, uh, if that was your game, which, you know, I have nothing re but respect for the way that people would play the game as long as they weren't being you know racist or or inappropriate in some way you know yeah. I, I respected that everyone had their own method i knew you know when i logged into ultima online i knew that anything could happen so <laughs> yeah. if, if i got killed like it never bothered me like i didn't i didn't wasn't that person that ever cared about losing the stuff because the experience of getting pk'd nine times out of ten was this crazy like you know, cat and mouse game where, you know, I'm trying to survive and I'm using my cunning and they're using their skills and their super yeah. internet connection. Like, I don't know. It was just always a memorable experience. So even though I was losing things, it just, I don't know. It just never bothered me. That's what made it exciting. Well, and I think to, and it's funny, I, you know, I kind of asked you about your experience because my son played it for the first time and he was just playing on the free charge, whatever. And trying to explain uo i mean not only to an adult but just to a kid like i became frustrated i'm like wait you just you need band-aids just heal yourself yeah. and he's like what do you mean how, how do i heal my yeah and it was like and then i realized 
how complex some of these systems are that we take for granted. It's amazing the useless knowledge that we have in our heads. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, you just need – he's like, well, how do I get Band-Aids? Like, oh, well, you got to either buy them from the vendor, get a bolt of claw. And, and you know, when I really stepped back – I think it was later that day I stepped back and thought about it. I'm like, wow, you need like 18 steps before <laughs> you can do well, something, right? Yeah, you, you want Band-Aids, then you better go buy a pair of scissors, go find some sheep, the sheep <laughs> take the sheep to the, the spinning wheel, and then right. make the bolts of cloth and cut them yourself. And, yeah. It, it, and very in-depth. Yeah, I know. And and uh, I, I think we really were talking the same language where, yeah, like it's interesting us growing up, dying, losing all our stuff. We just – that was a sense of normalcy. I mean I can't even fathom in World of Warcraft if they had you know an open loot. I mean people would lose their minds, right? Totally. <laughs> totally. And, and I think you know, in all fairness, yes, those are two separate games, two separate objectives for sure, um, you know, where – Blizzard does the polish very well, the on rails very well. UO was just not designed for that, you know, and yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I just, I don't think you can even, you know, you can't go apples to apples on those two games. They're just completely different experiences. And, and you know, the people that have sunk time into world of Warcraft, they obviously have something there that that they enjoy. That's, that speaks to them the same way that Ultima online speaks to us. So I, you know, I, I love it for that reason, even though I've spent, next to no time in world of warcraft i think it's a beautiful game but it just you know it didn't it didn't pull me in because of all those things yeah and i and and, you know i think it's super interesting for myself that you know i'm not very i would say artistic or creative i don't have that creative mind that i know a lot of people have but uo for me kind of just unlocks that potential that i can you know do anything i want but i can still affect either the economy Another player, like a real player's experience to me was just, that was next level. You know, I never experienced that before. Totally. And I think that's something special. I mean, back, especially back in the day, you know, and I, I hate to sound like that old guy that's, (laughs) but you know, I I feel like you will never have that experience again because, you know, the internet was just in its infancy and everybody was kind of figuring out what it could do. But I, I think we all felt like we were a part of something very special. And I, you know, it makes me sad that, you know, if, if we had only known, maybe we could have held on to it a little bit longer. Um, but I know it's a, it's a time that will never be replicated, but I'm glad that I could say that I was there for it. I think that that's, that's worth it in and of itself. I completely agree. So, okay. So I'm going to ask you a real fun one and I'm going to kind of reword, you know, this. Okay. If I came up to you, Wes, I gave you a blank check and I told you to go write a book, you know, how would that change, you know, your approach or just walk me through? Cause I think it's a fun one. Cause I, I'm probably not going to talk to many people that write books, but you know, how could you use, let's just say, you know, money, right. To influence a new book. What, what, how would you go about it? What, what do you think? Well, I'll tell you exactly what I would do. I would use the money to actually go and and talk to all these people face to face. Ah, and okay. The stories I collect is right now. I, you know, obviously I do it via the internet and uh, sure. yeah, it's cool. It works. But I, I would love to actually get in a room and really get a better feel for the emotions that are associated with some of these stories, whether they're funny, happy, sad. Uh, you know, I do yeah. try to convey that emotion because we all, you know, that's one of the important things that I try to spotlight is that, you know, sure, I, I may have shared the story over here about, 
you know, somebody who ran through deceit, killing people with the poison elemental by luring it. But on the same token, over here, you have you have a woman who, you know, basically said goodbye to her her dying mother through Ultima Online. So, you know, there's just yeah. there's two extremes to the stories. And, and there's so many different kinds of experiences that people have had through the game. So I would really like to find a way to to make sure I convey those properly. Um, one of the, the cool things is that um, I've had the opportunity to to speak with the people at, at Broadsword, the current developers for the game, and they've actually invited me to to come to their office whenever I want to talk to them. And, and wow. I, I would I would have done that, you know, if we were in the <laughs> yeah. So I'm right. hoping that that's that's something that I can I can still utilize down the line for sure. Uh, you know, everybody has just been so welcoming, and everybody has been so eager to share their story. And and the thing that uh, I've probably was the biggest surprise to me is I truly believe that Ultima Online has one of the most like literate and eloquent user bases because everybody, you know, you have to type in the game and, and the stuff, you know, the words come above your character's head and you have to yeah. read quickly. It's like everybody is so well-spoken and everybody, you know, types very well and speaks very well. It's like, it's just an amazing, it's like a skill we all developed through the game was, was communicating. Yeah. Um, so I was very impressed with everybody that I've spoken with. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, it's very wild, you know, some of the things you said, because, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm doing a podcast, but you know, your, your like ability to extract emotions from people, right. Is something I'm going to assume that you just take, I would say for granted, because you just, you do that, you know, every day, right. That's like a, a, a base skill that you have. But like for me as a caveman with a club coming in to talk to someone, I would completely miss on some of those. Does that make sense? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it's definitely, it's, it's uh practice makes perfect, I guess. And, and it's in no means perfect yet, but um, yeah, it's, it's a skill that I, I developed. That was what was important to me is that, you know, beyond being books about Ultima online, they're really stories about the human condition and if you've, you know, if you've had great friendships, if you've been in love, if you've, um, you've done all these different things in your life, you can relate, <clears throat> you can relate to the stories in the books, whether or not you've yeah. played the game. So at the end of the day, they're all human interest stories. I know. I haven't shared some of, you know, my more interesting, more personal moments yet on UL, but I probably will. I want to do like a, a separate, you know, a thing on that, but. Um, if I would ever want somebody to come back and interview you. I will happily volunteer. for you. Yeah, it, it, it's been kind of uh, and, and I'm sorry, everyone. Listen, we're going to go a little bit off topic for a second, but um, it, it's been a very interesting, you know, perspective doing this, that it has evolved into what I hope is going to be a library of UO information that is recorded in some fashion, you know, where you. I think you can get some emotion out of people yeah, as you hear them, you know, speak, but I'm hoping in, in 20 years, you know, whether they're reading your book, listening, you know, to this podcast, it's just a, how things were back then. And, Definitely. and I'm so happy that you, you wrote it. And I know this sounds like crazy. Like you actually wrote a book, right. And, you know, in this modern age, it's totally a, a lost art form. And I almost think, you know, that, even a podcast sounds like it's, you know, in the eighties, right? You're like, well, why don't you just do a YouTube, right? With 4k and like, just have her, you know what I'm saying? Like, it feels like it's just a lost art. I think, what do you, know, what do you think? 
No, I, I, I love the fact that, that not only for even Ultima Online, but for, for many games, there have been, especially just in the past like four or five years, there have been a ton of, of books. Uh, like, yeah. Uh, there's, there's been books for like EVE Online. There's been books for Star Wars Galaxies. Uh, there's been a, a lot of websites are just collecting this information. I, I think that we're, we're coming now to realize that, that the history of MMOs still qualifies as history, just in yeah. you know, a slightly different regard. Uh, so I really hope that in addition to people like you and me who are doing this, you know, other folks are are doing it for whatever games they're playing and hopefully they're doing it for, for Ultima online as well. Um, it, there seems to be like, I, I got to talk to a couple of event moderators for the second book. Yeah. Seems, I, I am very comforted by the fact that all of the various OSI shards seem to really take uh, capturing their history very seriously. Oh yeah. So that's yeah. To know as well. So yeah, I mean, I, I would love that especially because UO has been such a, a foundational game in influencing, you know, the most popular games of the day. Uh, it, it'd be nice to kind of trace that back and, and be able to go to, you know, the source for lack of a better term and yeah. really kind of dig into what made it so influential. I think that's going to be important. Well, and and I think too, you know, given this, the, you know, the pandemic that we're, that we're in now that I am, I've really been kind of thinking about it in my head that I know from, the time this started in March, you know, till whenever this thing, you know, maybe uh, ends, I don't know if it'll ever officially end, but you know, when it really dies down, I'm sure there's going to be stories from people that played because the playtime, I'll just say for games, I bet has accelerated worldwide to a level, you know, we've never seen just because people are home. I can vouch for that. I mean, working in that industry, I can tell you that I, I work primarily in mobile gaming and we're, yeah. you know, we're off the charts with, with people playing at this point because there's right. nothing else to do. Same with, same with reading. I mean, honestly, I don't know that these, you know, these books would have done as well over the past year and a half if there hadn't been a pandemic that's keeping people, you know, at their Kindles and, and at right. their reading chairs. This has been really helpful for me as well. Yeah, no, I know. And I, and I'm, I'm kind of excited to see because I would probably say it's going to take another six months, you know, or so, but I'm sure we're going to start seeing a lot more stories, more current day come about that people who have either gone back in OSI, which I've seen a ton of Facebook, you know, I think we're in the same group. I've seen a ton of Facebook posts of people logging in for the first time from 20 years ago, or they're playing a, you know, a free shard because now they have, oh, I spent the last three months playing this server every day because I had three hours more free time, right. Than I used yeah. to have or something. Um, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. I, I think it for us, you know, I'll be selfish for a second, you know, for us, it's going to be great because the tapped, you know, like potential for, for now content is, is just, it's, it's untapped. It's, it's everywhere. Everyone's going to have a story. Um, yeah. And, and we, we desperately need all the content we can get right now. I mean, I don't mean to make light pandemic and act like I'm, you know, profiting from it in any type of way, but I'm, yeah. I'm glad that I can help occupy people's minds. And I'm glad that, you know, you can also provide something that will take people's minds off of what's going on for, for an hour every week. I think that's just absolutely fantastic to have. And again, we, you know, we all love this world. We all love Britannia. So let's, let's do what we can to live in that world for a little while longer each week. Yeah. I remember, I think I missed a week or I don't know. I was, I think I was busy with the Garriott thing and it just it consumed me for a couple of weeks. I was I was super engaged and like I missed an episode. And someone's like, "Hey, where's the next episode?" Like, "Well, I'm waiting." You know, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. "I'm like, yeah, got it." I said, "I'm working on it." You know, um, but it's funny how yeah, people really start that the the thirst for UO content. I will say, 
has never died down. And I was super surprised that, yeah, no one's really doing it. Um, and, you know, cause I know there is another, there is another podcast specifically for um, Outlands, right? But I remember when I started this one, I just wanted a generic one because I think with you writing the book, you probably discovered this too. If you have a generic view on this, you don't have anything very specific, you will get the support from everyone and, and anyone, right? You know, as opposed to like, oh, I'm just doing it on Sonoma, <laughs> right? You know? Totally, totally. I mean, I remember when I was writing the first book, one of the things that occurred to me was like, oh, I should find somebody that's doing an Ultima Online podcast to interview. That would be really yeah. interesting. But I discovered there weren't any. Right, <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm glad that you've stepped forward to fill the void. I know. And I really kicked myself because I'm like, man, because I, I, I did it back and, and it was funny. The first two episodes I did it was back in 2014. I just I, threw. I ran across that in my research, and but then I gathered that you weren't really doing it anymore at that point. Right. Yeah. I, I kicked off an idea. I'm like, you know, maybe I should just start thinking. And life got busy, and I was just like, you know, I don't know. It didn't catch on. And then before I started up again, I kind of did what you did. I went on, I was, I think it was on Reddit. And I just said, hey, I'm thinking of starting a UO podcast. I said, you know, what do y'all think? Would anyone listen? And I remember I got at least, I think, between 10 and 20 replies, which to me, I said, okay, hey, I'm in. If there's at least 20 people that listen, you know what? This costs me nothing but time. So why not? Exactly. <laughs> so I'm in that same boat. When I when I was writing the first book, I interviewed 35 people and I was like, well, I'll at least sell 35 copies. So I totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah, no, for sure. Now, okay, so we're going to wrap this up here. Where can people buy your book? Yeah, right now, uh, both volumes. Uh, the first volume is called uh, Braving Britannia, Tales of Life, Love, and Adventure in Ultima Online. Okay. Uh, the second volume is called uh, Braving Britannia, Tales of Melancholy, Malice, and Peril in Ultima Online. Uh, obviously, I'm sticking with the branding thing there. Uh, yeah. They're both available on, on Amazon, so search for Braving Britannia, uh, type in Ultima Online, they'll pop up. Also, people can go to bravingbritannia.com. Uh, there you can actually see a full list of people who have been interviewed. You can you can click on them. It'll show you an excerpt from their chapter in the book. So oh. you can actually read you can read some of it before you make the commitment if you're nervous about it. Um, uh, additionally, if you have a story that you would like to submit for consideration, if there is a third volume, uh, there's a form that they people can fill out, and I'll I'll get it by email. So okay. don't hesitate to stop by, say hello, and. Uh, you know, if, if they read the book and they enjoy it, it, it would be a huge help if they consider, um, you know, dropping a review on Amazon or just, you know, shoot me an email. Let me know that you enjoyed it because the, the more that I know people are reading it, the, the greater the possibility that there can be more in the future, whatever form that will take. Now, I'm going to ask for a friend here, Wes. How, how does one obtain an autographed copy of your book? Uh, I'm working on that at the moment. Um, I will probably just get a bunch sent to me. Because you have to understand, once you've looked at a book for like two years, and once it's published, the last thing you want to do is is look at it again. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, yeah. so actually, I don't even have any copies of the latest book because it got to the point where it was like, I've done all I can do. I need to separate myself. From Move on. Long. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I'm going to order a big box of books probably this coming week. Uh, once once those uh, arrive, I will happily sign those and ship those to people that, that want to purchase them. So I will, um, I'll make some sort of announcement on uh, the the Facebook group that we have, which is called the UO Book Project Group. Uh, there's a link to it on the website at breakingcanyon.com. Okay. Uh, 
Uh, or I'll probably post about it in like the, the main Ultima Online group as well. So I'm happy to facilitate that. It may take a little bit longer just because I'm not super excited to run out to the post office, but yeah. I will absolutely get those to people one way or the other. Okay, so you're here to hear like first folks, you can get an autographed copy coming soon. So I know, I know personally, I'm probably going to wait now for my, you know, that second book because I want it, you know, live and direct autograph from the man himself. Nice. nice. So I will, I'll try to have that up and available within the next week or two. So that would be awesome. Sometime, sometime in November for anybody listening. Okay. And is there anything else, you know, you want to tell the UO community in general? Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Well, I would just thank everybody for just being awesome. I mean, the the feedback I, I put in a lot of work and a lot of hours on these books and just the you know, people telling me that it's it's either made them play the game again or just, you know, thanking me for for bringing them back into that world of nostalgia uh, is you know, that's all I wanted to do is I just wanted to us to be able to kind of have these memories rise up to the surface again together. Uh, everybody's been super cool. Everybody's been great about saying, hey, you need to talk to this friend. You need to talk to that friend. Yeah, um, I, I couldn't have done it without the community at large. So I just I greatly appreciate all of their support. Awesome. Well, uh, again, thank you, Wes, for uh, joining me. I think this chat, I mean, we've flown by an hour and 15 minutes and I feel like I just started talking to you. Um, no, all good, man. I, I really appreciate you letting me come on and, and share a little bit about my experience and also to to plug the book. Um, you know, yeah. Keep on doing what you're doing, man. I really enjoy listening to the show. Uh, so I hope it goes on for hundreds of episodes. Uh, me as well. And, uh, you know, thank you again for coming on. My pleasure.